Good morning. It is, well, compliments of the season. It is great to be with you. Some of you have been on church sabbatical for a few years. It is good to have you back. And for those of you who are visiting with us, so cool to have you. You know, New Year's, you always get those irritating messages. Thank you for sending them to me. But um, I, I got one from a friend of mine. It was just, it was priceless. He, he sent this. He said, dear friends, I personally wish you a blessed new year. Nowadays, everyone is overwhelmed by the amount of impersonal messages. Most people copy and paste stolen messages and send them just to get the job done and impress others, not me. We wish you all the best for 2013. You're the best dance group in Bloemfontein. Regards, Amanda. Anyway, may you be blessed as we go into 2013. I just want to know, how many of you have broken your New Year's resolution? It's, it's six days in. I mean, there should have been a few. How many of you stopped? Doing New Year's resolutions about six years ago. Okay. I am, um, I realize Christians are actually, uh, we, we um, what is the right word for it? We, we kind of somehow believe in magic over New Year's Eve. So uh, uh, that happens over this New Year's period. I, I remember 2016 had just finished uh, and my theory for 2017 um, was that it had to be better because 2016 was so tough. Any of you have that? Like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and, then, and then I had 2017, it was harder than 2016. And then I went, no, but God's got this one. It's going to be incredible. 2018, I mean, I can't have three hard years in a row. So, so in 2018, is going to be amazing. And I uh, went into 2018 and, and it was harder than 2017. So uh, I got to this New Year's Eve, and I went to bed at 10.30. Uh, and, uh, and, and I thought to myself, it is going to be different. In fact, I'm extremely confident about 2019. But, uh, but I, I want to tell you, there's reason behind it. This is not just superstition. That was the word I was looking for. This isn't superstition. I, um, I recently upgraded my phone. And uh, you know what it's like, you, you upgrade your phone, it takes ages, and then you, you press all the yes, no, yes, no. And, and then at the end of that, for the first time ever, my phone welcomed me with a glint in its eye. It was upgraded when I spoke to Siri. Siri did what I asked it to do. I said, go to WhatsApp. It didn't say, hello, how are you? It went to WhatsApp. Like, it just everything worked. And I realized that's the thing for 2019. I want to be upgraded. I, I, I don't believe in some superstitious, it's going to be better. I, I want God to upgrade me because if I'm upgraded, there'll be a glint in my eye and we will be able to take on this year and it will be better than it's ever been before. So I want to dive into how to upgrade uh, today. We're doing this series called Giants Must Fall. Gary was actually supposed to preach, but he's got man flu, I mean Spanish flu, and, uh, and, and so he's not preaching. Uh, but this, this series, this thinking of Giants Must Fall is basically out of the story of Exodus, of the Exodus into the promised land. And what you'll find if you read the Bible, if, you, if you're kind of new to this, this, this is going to be new to you, but the Bible has some parallels, right the way through it. And the story of the exodus out of Egypt into the promised land is paralleled right the way through the New Testament with the story of our salvation. And so the writers of Scripture keep referring back to it and they keep, they keep looking at the patterns that were formed in the exodus and, and into the promised land and they use them to describe what it means to live a Christian life. So I'll give you a couple of parallels. The first is that exodus starts with a deliverance. 
So it starts with a conversation between Moses and God, and God says, I've seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cry of distress because they're harsh slave drivers. I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Parasites, Hivites, just checking, making sure you're awake. And Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. And I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. The story begins with God recognizing their pain. If 2018 was painful for you, the story of Exodus starts with a God who sees and knows and sends a deliverer. And where Moses is sent to lead them out of their pain and out of their slavery, Jesus is sent in the New Testament to lead us out of the sin that captures, entangles, and destroys lives. And so there's a parallel. In fact, in Colossians 1, it, it describes so beautifully in the Passion. It says, God has rescued us out of the tyrannical authority of darkness and changed us to bring us under the rightful rulership of his beloved son in whom we have the redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's number one about a deliverance. The second thing is it's a story of relationship. So Moses, he brings the people out. He delivers them from Egypt, but then he brings them into relationship with God. They, they get his word. They get his laws. They start to learn new rhythms, new ways of doing life. And in that space, they begin to show the world what God's like. Jesus comes to bring us into a relationship, not with God's laws, but with God himself through the Holy Spirit. And as we get to know him more and more, we begin to change more and more. It's a beautiful story. The third thing is it's a story of purpose and destiny. Moses is taking them somewhere to the promised land, to a land flowing with milk and honey of plenty. And Jesus is taking us somewhere. And the thing that, that I want to dive into today is where he's taking us. Because... Um, Arrhenius, he said this, the glory of God is man fully alive, is man with a glint in his eye, free. Uh, we, we use this term in Christian, in Christian circles called victorious Christian living. And, and what it means is to be fruitful, which means to make an impact, and to be in a state of the kingdom. So righteousness, joy, and peace being the definitions of how we are, that we're full of love, we're full of joy, we're full of peace. We want to live victoriously, a state of being, an impact that we're making. But in order to do that, in order to live like that, you have to upgrade. You have to change some stuff because there are giants in the land and they want to stop you. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to look at practical tools to destroy the giants in our land so that we can live in that victorious Christian space. But the question I want to ask you today, and I'm, I'm diving into today's message, is, is this. Where are you going and what do you need to let go of? Where are you going in 2019 and what do you need to let go of? I, um, I was in the Eastern Cape, and uh, by Wednesday... I was looking like a subspecies of human. I, I was just, uh, just hair was everywhere. So my wife said to, to me, you are going back to work and you need to lose some hair. So she, she dragged me to the hairdresser. And um, for a farm boy, a, a hair salon or, or hairdressers are, are fairly intimidating spaces. And I, I'll tell you why. Um, because they send you mixed messages. 
let me give you a couple of examples. On the one side of, of most hair salons, there are all these products. And they smell nice and they look nice. They're quite intimidating to people like me because I don't know what they're there for. But I, I see those things and, and I go, that's nice. And then on the other side, they're weapons that serial killers use, like those, those scissors and that, that blade thing that's on the, on the other side. And also, when you go into a hair salon or hairdresser, there's always good music and the, the people are friendly and everybody's chatting away. And then you sit down with a complete stranger who's overly intimate with your head. It's just, it's, it's perturbing to, to people like me. So anyway, I go in and uh, there's an, an Indian man who's from India there, which is always surprising for Durbanites because we, we just don't expect uh, Indians to be from India. We, we just don't, don't see it that way. And, uh, and anyway, so, so he starts talking. And because I'm kind of in flight or fight mode, my heart beats about 30 beats a minute more because of how uncomfortable I feel in hair salons. He, he says to me, he starts chatting, he says, what do you need? And I said, I, I just need no admin hair. Just, I want to put water on here, sometimes shampoo, not very often. I just want no admin hair. So he says, okay, I'll, I'll cut it short. And then he starts chatting. And he tells me about India, and he says that when he's in South Africa, he, he goes to church, and when he's India, in India, he goes to temple. Now, this would be the moment where, as a pastor, I would jump in and have a spiritual conversation about the difference between them and, and kind of how these two things, there's a better way of doing life. And, and I would find ways to speak about that. But I'm in a hair salon, and he's got that blade thing. So I'm, I'm going, no, no, we're not going to have this conversation. So I'm quiet. And, and anyway, so he's cutting away, and he says, is this short enough? And I say, no, and he cuts it even shorter. And then he, he says to me, do you want your beard cut? And I said, no, and Ames is sitting there, and she says, yes, he does. And, and so, so he looks at me like I'm, I'm the poodle, and he says, will you move across there to my cousin? And uh, so I go across to his cousin, who doesn't say a word, but he's the guy with the scalpel thing. And he sits me down, and then he, he points this mist flinger at me, and he starts blowing hot air into my face so that I can hardly breathe. And he doesn't say a word with a scalpel. So I'm, I'm kind of going, yeah, he's probably an assassin, and I am going to die, but I, I just stay there. And then he starts cutting hair off places in my face that I didn't know I had hair on my ears, inside my ears, on my neck, like a weird places that, that I, I'm still convinced there was no hair there in the beginning. And then, this is when I knew I was going to die, he takes this twine. Apparently you ladies go to spas to get this twine. He takes this twine, he like winds it around his fingers in, in a way that I knew the next thing was, I, I, I knew that that's where this was going. And he performs Chinese torture on my face. That's, that's what he does. I walked out of there and I said to Ames, I am never going back there again. I am leaving this place behind. Where are you going? And what are you going to leave behind? You see, Israel knew where they were going. They were going to the promised land. And they knew what they needed to leave behind. They needed to leave Egypt behind. The trouble was that Egypt didn't want to leave them behind. 
And so we pick up the story in Exodus 14 where God is actually giving them a warning about what's about to happen. God has led them into a situation. And it goes like this, Exodus 14. And for those of you who don't read the Bible, up until now, God has basically taken out Pharaoh with one plague after the next, after the next. He has been terrorized. But now they're at this moment. It's this critical moment where they're about to have the opportunity to break free. And God says this to Moses. Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of pi Hahiroth. Say that fast. Between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. I want to show you a map to help you understand what's going on. So there's Goshen, that's where they were coming from. Where they were supposed to go to is Jericho, right at the top. But God leads them. Moses, God leads them, not Moses. God leads them with a fire and a cloud. He leads them all the way down here to right at the bottom. And he tells them to face a mountain across the other side. In fact, they walk up and then they come back down. But I want you to see where they're at. There's, there's another picture, and I'll show you this in a moment. What you can see from this picture is that where they land, if you look to the left, if you look west, there's a mountain range that they couldn't get over. If you look east, there's a sea that's 250 meters deep. North, they can't go there. South, Pharaoh's army is coming to. God has led them into a trap. You ever feel like you give your life to Jesus and you try and do your best and, and serve him and, and go to church and you love him and it just feels like he's led you into a trap? Like, I'm stuck in my singleness or I'm, I'm stuck in this job. or God, I, I served you as well as I can. I'm, I'm stuck in these relationships or uh, I'm stuck in this marriage and I feel like I'm going to die. Maybe a little bit extreme. But you, you ever... <laughs> in the first service, people are like... <laughs> you ever felt like God's led you into a trap this is how these people are feeling and so you've got to listen to what they say they say to Moses is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness this is like what my kids say to me you brought me here to die. Oh, what have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? We told you in the beginning, leave us alone so that we can serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. This is what people who go to CrossFit feel like. <laughs> you have led me here to die. In fact, I, I, I saw a CrossFit gym and it says this. Tangent. It says, CrossFit uses, it was on the side of their, their wall, CrossFit uses safe, effective, and efficient, efficient movements similar to those you use every day in life. And I thought to myself, like all those crack, tractor tires that I carry across the room in life and, and those bags I throw over walls. 
They feel like they're in a trap. And what Israel doesn't know and what most of us don't know, if you're in pain and you're going, 2018 was bad and it feels like 2019 is worse than 2018 and I am stuck here and it feels like God's led me here to die. If you're feeling like that, you don't understand the ways of God. He never leads you into a trap. He leads the enemy of your soul, your Pharaoh, into a trap. But you have to upgrade your thinking. This is the story of the Exodus. It's the story of deliverance because unfortunately people think that deliverance is a moment. Deliverance is not a moment. Deliverance is a process. There's a process that happens with, with Israel. There's one plague after the next and there's a specific order of events. There's a specific process of the plagues. So I want to kind of talk you through some of the plagues. Here's, here's some of the Israel, I mean the Egyptian gods. This is happy. Doesn't look very happy, but he is the Egyptian god of the Nile. Remember the first plague? Turn the water into blood. You know what God was doing? You can put your faith in the god of the Nile, but I'm stronger than him. That's what he was doing. Do you remember uh, the second plague? It was the frogs. The, let me show you a god. This is the god. You see like a frog head? You know what God was doing? He's going... Everything you put your security into, I'm going to show that I'm more powerful than that thing. So he takes on Heket, the Egyptian god of fertility. Here's a, the next god, Geb, Egyptian god of the earth. Hence he has a duck on his head, as you do. But you've you got to understand, so God takes money, he makes lice from the dust. Your god can't do that. Your gods can't stop this. The thing that you're putting your faith in, it has no power. I am God. Here's another one. Kepri, Egyptian god of creation. Remember the fourth one? It was swarms of flies. God's going, try this one. Try stop these flies. Or what about this, this next god? Hathor, the Egyptian goddess of love and protection. Remember what God sent to them? Boils. Good one. Try protect from this. Or what about the, the sixth one, Isis, different to the organization. Egyptian goddess of medicine and peace. Remember, they send hail down and it burns like fire. Or let's just go through the rest. Of the, I think we've got three or four. There's Nut, the Egyptian goddess of the sky. Seth, the Egyptian god of storms and disorder. And one after the next, Ra, the sun god. Remember that the, the ninth plague was darkness. Ra, you can't keep the sun on. Or Pharaoh, the ultimate power of Egypt. The, the way the Egyptians understood it was that Pharaoh was the son of God. He was the, the, the God. And God goes, you can't even keep your firstborn son alive. See, what you have to understand about deliverance is that what a deliverance is, is a setting you free from something you believe can save you, empower you, sustain you, keep you alive it's setting you free from a lie that that thing can keep you going and helping you to believe that only God can keep you going. Before God can lead Israel into the promised land to fight the giants, God goes, first, I need to set them free. I need to deliver them from all the gods they trust in. If you want 2019 to be amazing, you have to allow God to deliver you from fear of lack of significance, security, the God of success, the God of a good job, the God of a great marriage, the God of whatever you have your hope in that is not Jesus. You have to go, 
Lord, I let this thing go. Otherwise, the giants in the land will spot your weakness and they will come after you with all of hell. You can't hold on to God and other stuff if you're going to walk free in the kingdom of God. I know, it's the first message back. Couldn't I go like a little bit easier and nicer? Moses, Moses amazes me. You know, what you realize about Moses is he's been so upgraded. He's let go of so much. He's let go of success and significance and culture and home and how they do stuff. Like, he's lost it all. He's only got God. But he gets into the situation that God led them to, where he's facing Pharaoh's army on the one side. He's looking at a mountain ridge on the other side and a sea on the other side. There's nowhere for him to go. And, and God actually, he takes him to, can we just go back to this picture? He takes him, there we go. He takes him to the spot where he looks from Pahiroth to Baal Zephon. Baal means Lord or dominion over. And Zephon, it either means of the sea or of the north. He takes him and he makes him look at an idol to go, I want you to understand how much more powerful I am than even this. You see, one of the reasons that Pharaoh attacked was Pharaoh went, they stuck in the wilderness where that God rules. And maybe Yahweh was more powerful than the Egyptian gods, but he's not more powerful than the Canaanite God. Let's go give this another go. That's what's going on in Pharaoh. And so God takes the people of Israel to a space where he can show them God isn't just more powerful than the gods of Egypt. He's more powerful than any God. And Moses, because he's so free and because he's got nothing left to hold on to other than God, turns and he looks at his people who are flapping and he says, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. It's such beautiful language. David uses it again. It's just beautiful. You know what amazed me about this is that Moses had never read Exodus. He'd never seen a sea part. He hadn't read that verse in the, he hadn't sung that song. God, you still move mountains. Like he, he didn't know that stuff. He was stuck in a space where he had no idea, no idea how he's going to get out of here. And he say, says these words, you just be still and watch God do something incredible. And in that moment, God space, speaks to him and says, get up now, put your, put your staff across the lake and the sea and it'll open up. There's, there's a moment he steps out in faith. He's only got one thing to hold on to and God moves. Now, I want to go back to the question. Where are you going? And what are you going to leave behind? So I had the, the privilege uh, last year of going to meet with a leadership coach. And uh, the, the first session I had with a leadership coach, he says to me, Saros, basically, where are you going? What, what do you want to achieve? And uh, what do you want to change? And I knew 
because there are two things in my life that I've tried to change over years and I've just failed to change them. I, I just uh, didn't matter how much I tried. I just kept doing these things. The two things that have hurt relationships, hurt my leadership, hurt the church in different ways that I wanted out. And so I said to him, these two things as a leader, I keep doing and I want them changed. So he says, okay, I can help you with that. And so he starts giving me work, tons of work. Go read this, go study that, do this exercise, do that. And as I'm reading through this stuff, I start to realize what is actually going on is God is in the process of delivering me from some beliefs about mountains and seas that have got me captured in cycles of pain. And so... I embraced it with both hands and I said, God, deliver me. I want this thinking, this habit, this belief. I want it out because you're still the God who moves mountains and you're still the God who opens seas. And just because the world says things happen this way doesn't mean that they happen this way in the kingdom. I want to be set free because if I'm set free, I can live 2019 different. You're going into a big year. The economy is going to do all kinds of fun things. Your friends are going to leave and go to weird places like Australia. All I'm saying is you make your bed there. And as things happen, you've got to make a decision. What am I going to leave behind? to go to become who I'm meant to be because the thinking and the habits and the stuff that got you here won't get you there. What are you going to leave behind? And where are you going? As you go from today, I know this is a tall ask, but just imagine, just imagine that you left here today and you took a piece of paper and you wrote, where am I going and what am I going to leave behind? And imagine like preacher's dream, that every day you sat with that question for the next seven days and you said, God, speak to me about where I'm going and what you want me to leave behind. Can you imagine what it might do to your upgrade of your system for 2019? Where are you going? And what are you going to leave behind? I believe God has something huge for you in 2019. There is a promised land for you. But before you go into it and face those giants, will you leave some stuff behind? So I want to pray for you. Why don't you stand with me? And I'm going to ask you to do this as a symbolic act. If you don't have faith for this, don't, don't worry about it. But if you do, I want you to just clench your fists tight. All the stuff in your current system, all your beliefs, your hurts, maybe your unforgiveness, your God let me down last time, why should I trust him again? We, we just take all those moments, all those things, and an act of faith if you're ready for this, just open your hand and say, God, I want to leave this behind. Will you take this out of my hand?
And God, will you put a victorious Christian life into my hand? And I want you to close your fist. And don't you pick up anything else. And Jesus, I pray that supernaturally you grab hold of every person in here who's opened their hands and closed their hands and you do something so powerful that 2019 is the best year they've ever had. Set them free. Make it a moment of their lives that changes tomorrow. I ask God that you upgrade in the power of Jesus' name. And I just pray the blood of Christ over you. May he bless you and fill you and release angels to minister to you. In Jesus' name, amen.